your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. You want to stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And today's episode is sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts car will ever need. Is at rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. All right, a couple of things that we're going to get to today. Um, yesterday's conversation with Tony Ferrari was quite long. So what I ended up doing is I actually just spliced it up, like with the first 20, 25 minutes where we talked about the game. I did that as a post-game show, and then I kept the, the canned the other 20, 25-minute conversation that we had uh, about the new ESPN broadcasting rights and also um, the changes to the annual draft lottery. And we also just had a, a conversation about the draft in general uh, and the prospects since he is, you know, the managing editor of Dauber Prospects, a very uh, prominent uh, draft source that a lot of people uh, use. So, you know, I, I thought that would be a perfect time to have that conversation. Plus, they did just put out their draft ranking. So it kind of all worked out perfectly. Uh, but, yeah, so we are going to get to that in just a little bit. But figured I'd give some updates on uh, what went down today in Maple Leaf land because uh, Austin Matthews did not practice. He skipped practice today. Uh, They didn't really say what's going on, whether or not he's going to be in the game tomorrow or not. We're not exactly sure. You know, is this just him getting more rest, resting up that wrist, or is it kind of still bothering him to the point where he may have to miss another game or two? You know, like they've got some after this week is over, the load lightens up. Like they got like four game stretch next week where they they don't play from like four or five games in a row. So uh, I think that they may have they're trying to push through till that stretch and they're just going to hold him out of practice and and give him another extra day to rest. Uh, I'm hoping that is the case. I think a matchup against the the Jets, you, you need Matthews like. He is a, a a vital part of this team's success. I know they, you know, they what they did against Edmonton without Matthews was was kind of incredible, to be honest with you. But that's not something that you're going to be wanting to do on a regular basis. Like you are way better with this guy in the lineup than not in the lineup. Uh, but you know, I, as I look at it, I think that it, his wrist injury might be bothering him a little more than he's leading on. And I think seeing him on this, you know, as his net front presence, seeing them kind of tinker with the the way that the power play looks is tailoring it to his injury, right? And, you know, luckily he's a absolutely skilled player and he can just sit there, tip pucks and sit there and bang away at, at loose pucks out in front of the net. You know, he doesn't just have to unload a laser of a wrist shot uh, to, to score or go bar down to score. He can do it in many different ways. But I feel like, what we're seeing him and how he's being deployed right now by this team and the fact that he's just just off a little bit in his shot as well, it's got to be bothering him a little bit more than he's leading on. And, and I think skipping practice today is just another uh, another kind of example of 
just that, like being the case. So uh, no indication as of now as of whether or not he's going to play or not tomorrow. There's no, uh, I'm not sure if he's not going to play. I don't think, I think it's more likely that he does. But just something that did happen today that I, I thought I would update you guys on as this is a, you know, a daily lease podcast. And it's, it's kind of the news of the day, the fact that Matthews wasn't at practice. So I uh, figured that I quickly just let you know about that. And also, I woke up this morning uh, and, and saw a lot of shade on Freddie Anderson for last night. A lot of hate being thrown toward his way. And I, I think it's a little unwarranted. Um, he wasn't awful last night. Like for everyone who's saying, "Oh, we got to trade this guy. This guy can't can't win a game for us." He was terrible. You allowed four goals on twenty three shots. Like, did you watch the game? What was he supposed to do? I, I mean, you can't really fault him on a lot of those goals. Like that's not the game you use as your straw that breaks the camel back, camel's back to to say like, "Yeah, this is it. This is the final straw." For for Anderson, we we need a new goalie. Like I saw somebody go out and tweet like, "Oh, what's what's uh, Corpusalo or Merzlikens? They should be checking in on on Columbus and see what they want for one of them." It's like I, I don't know if like, are you really ready to just turn the page just like that after it wasn't even a bad game? Like that's the thing. Like those goals that were scored last night, the first one tip in front redirect, nothing that you can do about that. The second one. You know, one off of Matthew's skate when he decided to do some ballet for whatever reason, and it went up and over Anderson because of that. Like, he was getting ready down the butterfly to make the stop. The puck was coming right to him, and it took a redirect that ended up going up over his shoulder and into the back of the net. Again, nothing you could do on that. The third goal was, uh, what, Kyle Connor? That was just a, a great play out in front. Like, you get a high danger chance, a, a, a shot like that, um, a grade-A chance. You know, those are tough to stop. You you can't fault him on it. And then the Mason Appleton goal was, you know, another one where it was just coming barreling in and and he made a nice move to the forehand to to beat Anderson and and make it 4-2. So I'm not really, like, I I look at it and I'm like, okay, yeah, he allowed four goals, but they weren't really his fault. It's not like they were soft goals and and that was a game where he allowed, you know, some back-breaking goals, which he's he's done in the past, but we're not seeing that this year. So I I just feel like the shade being thrown toward him is completely uh, unwarranted right now and last night's game was really not, like, the example that you want to use when you talk about, like, oh, Anderson, he can't get it done. It's, like, he may not be able to get it done, and I'm not saying that he's the best goalie. Like, I've had my fair share of criticisms on Anderson. I still need to see him do something in the playoffs for me to consider him, you know, a goaltender or an option for the team going forward. But to suggest that because of, you know, what happened last night is any indication that he can't be the starting goaltender for the Maple Leafs. I just think that's, you know, that's that's a, a bad argument to make. Very, very strong man argument there. Um, all right. So uh, on the other side, uh, I will be joined by Tony Ferrari uh, once again. Uh, you know, like I said, the NHL and ESPN do have an agreement in place that will see hockey back on the ESPN airwaves, which is massive. Uh, so we'll chat about that but also some news about the draft lottery and the fact that there's some proposals which will be ratified. I'm I'm pretty sure they may have already been ratified. I think that may happen today, if not in the coming days. Um, So we're going to get a new draft lottery system and some tinkering to the way that that's done. 
and and you know I, I picked Tony's brain on what the 2021 NHL draft class looks like. So we get to all that when we return here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to Locked on Leafs, the daily Maple Leafs podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Mike DiStefano with you. Alongside me, I've got Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. Uh, Tony, did you happen to hear about this new American TV deal with ESPN today? Yes, I did. I, I'm excited for it, honestly. Like ESPN in in the NHL go they they used to have a deal back in the day and mm-hmm. it, it was ended by that 2004-2005 lockout and or, or yeah, 2004-2005 lockout and it, it sucked because ESPN was trying to do something and, and ESPN's the biggest name in sports in the states and, and that's a good thing for the NHL. Get on the network that's going to put you in front of people's TVs and, and really get you out there. And I mean, I'm sure they're going to put a lot of stuff on ESPN plus, and they're going to do a, a bunch of different things, but this might invite them to kind of have a show in the afternoon, talk about hockey. I, I don't think we're ever going to get skip and Shannon or, or, or <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, like ranting about hockey. Um, we, we see how good that went with Stephen A. Smith <laughs> trying to do the UFC <laughs> and it didn't go well, but I think you're going to start getting a little bit more NHL kind of s- stuff on ESPN and, no, it's never going to be their main thing, but it, it, having the le- league on the biggest network in the United States is, is going to be a huge deal. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a massive needle mover for the league. I mean, not only is there going to be a thousand plus uh, regular season games on ESPN, on national television, but also like on those other shows, like you said, like we're going to get that coverage on SportsCenter, on, on PTI, as much as you may not want to see it on First Take with Stephen A., you damn well know that it's going to be there because it's going to be ESPN's shiny new acquisition. They're going to want to use it to their advantage and, and get people interested in hockey again so that those numbers definitely uh, get, you know, they get numbers at the very least. Uh, and other, you know, ESPN network shows. So I think this is a, a big deal for the NHL. It's it's a seven-year deal, and ESPN going to get four Stanley Cup finals over the next seven years. There's another network that is apparently joining up with them for the, the other set of rights. Uh, it hasn't come out yet who it could be, and it's not necessarily NBC, uh, as uh, Pierre Lebrun mentioned today on uh, on Overdrive, which I found to be interesting. But I also wonder how much this deal is going to be. Like, this is obviously going to be a record-setting deal for the NHL uh, when it comes to to the broadcast rights, and it's going to be big. But hopefully this deal is big enough that it actually allows them to raise the cap sooner than they expected. Like, I think that they're going to get some big money out of this, and hopefully that adds to the HRR, that hockey-related revenue, where they'll be able to increase the cap as opposed to having this flat cap for the entire estimated five years due to this whole COVID nonsense. Yeah, I really think the money's going to be a big deal. And anytime the league can get a big injection of, of cash, it's going to be huge. And 
this is going to raise the hockey related revenue, like you said, going to raise that cap. But the the other advantage that I, I think ESPN coming on and, and taking the NHL on is going to be is I think we're going to get a change in the NHL's marketing. And maybe it's just on the ESPN properties and stuff, but I think they're going to start trying to use the hockey players. Like they use the football players and they use the basketball players, put Austin Matthews out there, put, put a guy like just any of these guys, Connor McDavid, how exciting is this guy's game? Like put him out there, like let Mitch Marner do some, some trick shot challenge or something crazy. Like get these guys doing stuff that puts them as the face of the league because the NHL has always had a problem marketing this league as a, a fun kind of get into it league. They like to market it tough. And, and I get that angle hundred percent, but I think ESPN is going to try to really lean into that. Let's market the superstar. Let's get Austin Matthews on stuff. Let's get Connor McDavid on stuff. Let's get Brad Marchand's face all over things in Boston, because who, who loves a villain more than the city of Boston, right? Like it's <laughs> going to be one of those things where like, you're going to be able to pump these things up even more than what we've done so far. And, and I think ESPN is going to be a big driving factor in that because they've done such a wonderful job with football and basketball and all these other entities that they have. Yeah, no, like a hundred percent. I hope that's the case because for, for years people have been clamoring that the NHL is boring and that the players never ever say anything. Like they, they're always cliche. Their interviews are blah. They, they're not entertaining. The, the social media game isn't anywhere near to the level that you see it in the NBA and in the NFL and these other properties that are, that are, you know, mainly in the, in the United States. And hopefully we do get to see that. I, I think uh, it, it was talked about actually today on overdrive. Um, I'm blanking the name on the player, someone over in San Jose who's starting to make a name for himself as uh, one of those grittier, chirping-type players. He's getting into it on uh, on ESPN or on uh, on social media. Why am I blanking on his name? Curtis Gabriel. Thank you, Curtis Gabriel. Yes. So, you know, I think that he uh, he is somebody who is understanding kind of what could happen. And I think you just kind of look at what's going on with Spit and Chicklets, like, Especially, like, you don't have to be a superstar to have a career talking about hockey once you retire. Like, you don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be Austin Matthews or you don't have to be, uh, you know, anybody who's a star. You can be a fourth-line grinder like Biz was who spent half his career in the minors as well. But as long as you market yourself as, as a funny dude, somebody who still knows the game and you still made it to the highest level of hockey, right? So you still have that respect by people. But also just be a personality. Be a fun person, somebody who is marketable at the end of the day. So I think that we're somewhat seeing this happen with with players right now. Mainly, they're more so colorful on Instagram. Uh, but but if we could see this happening a little bit more as a national marketing campaign, I think for sure that, that'll definitely benefit the NHL going forward. Yeah, I think anytime you can market a guy like Matthew Barzal, like he, you could make him a huge star in New York. Like, <laughs> The, the, there's these guys that are out there and it doesn't have to be Sidney Crosby every time. It doesn't have to be Alexander Ovechkin. And those are the two guys that the NHL seems to like want to put out there all the time. And, and I get it. They, they're the legends of the game that are currently playing right now, but these young stars are so exciting. And, and I, I mentioned Austin Matthews. I mentioned Matthew Barzell, the Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is a funny guy. Like I've seen some interviews with him that like crack you up and, and get that on the national stage. Don't put that just on the local broadcast. Like get these guys out there. Cause man, like some of these personalities in the league are, are pretty fun. And, and 
hiding them isn't isn't working necessarily to get new fans. Well, like Nate Schmidt, I didn't realize how funny of a person Nate yep. Schmidt was until we got to Vancouver, just because the the market in Vancouver is so much bigger than it is in Vegas and that it was in Washington. And, and now that he's doing these media pressers and he's cracking jokes, I'm like, I love this guy. This guy's hilarious. He's he's just like a regular looking dude who's just really good at hockey. But he's also hilarious and funny. So, um, yeah, totally. I, I think that is another opportunity and another thing that this new TV deal could definitely benefit uh, the players and the league as a whole in an attempt to try and grow the game in America. And and that's ultimately what I believe that this this is going to do. I think this is a good, uh, a really good needle mover in order to grow this game. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on and, and talk about the new NHL draft lottery uh, proposals uh, that these changes to the draft lottery that we're going to see. Chris Johnston of Sportsnet uh, came out and, and he tweeted this. Was it yesterday? I believe. Yeah, yesterday. Yep. Uh, so I'll lay them out quickly for the listeners who maybe haven't heard about them yet, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, so the tweet reads as this. The NHL is proposing changes to the draft lottery that would see A, teams limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. B, teams are only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. And C, a reduction in the number of picks decided by lottery from three to only the top two picks. Uh, Tony, you are a draft man first and foremost uh, you know, the, the managing editor over at Dauber Prospects. Uh, your thoughts on the changes here, or the proposed changes, which are expected to be ratified, uh, to the draft lottery? The way I look at it is, is I don't hate any of the changes. Let me get that out of the way. Like, all these changes, I think they are, they're all valid, and they, they have their merit and everything. But my, my question is just, like, why? And I know <laughs> the you. answer. The answer is Edmonton. <clears throat> and, like, I, I get that, but, like, the the NHL should be marketing the we go back to the NHL marketing and stuff right but like the NHL should be trying to sell the draft to, to the casual fan it's one of the most exciting events of the year you look at the NFL draft you look at the N- NBA draft and these are events that fans like go crazy over you see these fan sections you see these these people going ridiculous over the, over the picks and everything the NHL doesn't necessarily do that to the same extent. And part of it is the draft lottery is really confusing. And this is just adding another layer of complexity. And in I've always kind of been like, man, we need to simplify the draft lottery, not make it more kind of confusing. And, and yeah, like I'm not opposed to like setting up a, a rule where you can only jump so many spots and why, why not? Why do just the two top teams? Why not just do the top team? If you're going to kind of do that, like, it seems like a, a weird 
half measure to to step back from three to two teams in the lottery limiting the lottery to two wins in five years sure like that's that's whatever i guess but it, it's just to me it's it's another layer of complexity that they don't necessarily need to add for the casual fan me myself i'll get it you'll get it mikey like it, it, we we're kind of like involved in this game like we're we're head head and over heels over this so like we'll understand this rule eventually and kind of get all the little intricacies out of it but the casual fans are gonna be like well, why did new jersey get the pick but why did they win the lottery and only get third well they had two picks in the last five years and there's this other rule and there's that <laughs> rule and and it just seems like they're adding layers to the to the draft lottery that they don't necessarily need to add i i know why they're doing it and they tweak it every 18 months it seems but to me you just try to make it simple i think that's the easiest thing to do if you're going to use the draft as, as the way the nfl and the nba do and not only are you getting new players in the league and helping these teams at the bottom of the standings out but you're getting more fans like the draft could be such a big event and the NHL just doesn't do it as well as the other two leagues that I was talking about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I, to me, um, I, I guess I'm with you when I ask why is mainly the, the big question that I have for this. Uh, I, I'm not bothered, but like if a team ends up winning, you know, the draft lottery five years in a row, I mean, clearly they sucked because they're in the draft lottery five years in a row. So they can use the talent at the top of the draft. So, I, you know, I, I don't quite understand this whole lottery. I mean, look at look at for this year. If this was intact, the New Jersey Devils would be disqualified from, from winning the lottery this year. That is a team that could use another top pick. Like, just because they got Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, you know, twice in the last few years, doesn't mean that that team should be punished because they aren't good, like they're they're not a good team, and I think isn't that not the whole point of the draft is to reward or not reward, but to make the teams that aren't good good again? Like that's how you create parity within the NHL, and and that doesn't quite do it while you're by doing it that way. Like I, the ten jumps, I get it because that's you know teams who are kind of on the cusp of the playoffs. You know, outside looking in, uh, like a couple of years ago when um, when Carolina moved all the way up to two after just missing out on the playoffs and ended up getting Andre Sveshnikov, and it's like, okay, well, that's already a dominant team that's like a year away from being contenders, and you just gave them a premier goal scorer. So that I understand. I, I would say that's the only one of these changes that I like. I- I'm with you. The reduction from three to two picks, why? Why not just make it one pick? Whoever wins the lottery, wins the lottery. And now that kind of creates a bit of confusion. If you win the second overall pick, is that considered a lottery win? So if you win two number twos, and then like that third year, you win a number one, are you no longer able to uh, get that first overall pick? Is that considered a win, or is it only the first pick that is considered a lottery win? I don't know if you stumbled across that information. I quickly tried to look that up, but I couldn't really find anything. But there, there's some slight confusion there as well. Yeah, I reached out to a couple people, and, and the answer I got was, I, I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> it, like, even people don't really know. And, and this isn't ratified yet. Like, the, I'm sure more concrete details will come out when when things actually kind of get done. But like, like you said, the, the if you want to limit teams to jump, why limit it to 10? Like, 10, again, seems like a half measure. Do five. Like, realistically, if, if you're that bad, like, you, 
you should be down in the bottom of the standings. And, and the fact of the matter is like, <laughs> so if hold, you're hold. in that Oilers situation where you're drafting four first round or first overall picks in six years or whatever it was, you're likely probably not going to have the same general manager for all those picks. So you, that new general manager is going to need that pick to start rebuilding the franchise that was clearly screwed up by the previous general manager. Yeah, that's that's been a good point too. Like if you win those two lotteries, like let's say this happens now, right? Like you won a lottery this year and then you get lucky, you win like Buffalo. They win it this year and they win it next year, but then they still suck and they fire their coach and they go through a a, a regime change and everything and then all of a sudden they win again, but they're going to be uh, like that new regime, that new general manager, they're going to be uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Punished for yeah. for for that, like for because their general manager before can build the team, like that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, I I think it's the NHL just kind of making things complex, and you know I'm I'm almost willing to just let this happen if they're gonna since they're gonna leave the draft in July, and I I think that was the big win of all the news that came out yesterday with this, and Elliot Friedman I think was the one that first reported that, and and he said the this likely means that the draft is gonna stay in July because the NHLPA had issues, the NHL had issues on their their side of the rules as well, and it was gonna be a lot of process, and the fact that they're announcing other changes to the draft likely means that the draft isn't being moved to. Uh, June 2022 that was being reported so I'm glad that that, that's not being moved and I'll I'll take these kind of goofy rule changes and let's be honest as NHL fans we're kind of used to the goofy little rule (laughs) tweaks every two three years that is true and and, but it's funny because now at this point what people are saying well why don't they do this why don't they do that like you just said why not limit it to five why not just have one winner so basically put it back to the way it was when I thought it actually was better, and by doing this new system, to me, was just stupid. So just revert back to the way it was before, where it's your top five teams in this lottery, and you can only move up five spots. Like, that that's as far as you can go, from five to one, and then you only move down one spot if you're the, the, the losing team, and you don't have a situation where Detroit, who desperately needs an influx in talent, ends up getting move, getting moved from that number one pick all the way back to number four, and the disparity between talent with those first three picks and then that fourth pick, sometimes that's 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 a lot, right? So yeah. I, I I think that uh, there's it's a fluid situation, and I would not be shocked if they did end up going back to that more uh, tight knit draft lottery like we saw back in you know like two thousand and eight. Yeah. And I think one of the other interesting things was uh, Elliot Friedman reported this as well, is that n- these effects won't take place until 2022. So this doesn't even come into effect for this year's draft, which right. like I said, isn't moving now, which is a good thing, but it, it, it's another weird thing that we're just going to be pushing it back another year to let us all kind of dwell <laughs> again, on this weird change why? again. <laughs> like why, why not just start exactly this year? It, it really makes no sense. But anyways, uh, speaking of the draft though, uh, You guys just put out your Dauber rankings for this upcoming draft, which, as we've discussed, is now going to remain in July and won't be moved back to, to, I think it was January they were trying to move it back to. Um, What's this year's draft looking like here? What's your rankings telling us over at Dauber? Uh, this year's draft is wide open at the top. It's not, it, there's no Lafreniere. There's no Austin Matthews or McDavid. It, it's really kind of a, a year similar to the 2012 draft where 
we kind of look at it and we go, okay, who's the best player to come out of that draft? And you look at Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, guys like that. And you go, okay, like it, it's not going to be a draft where you're getting a franchise player, but there's guys like Brant Clark and Luke Hughes, Fabian Lucell, uh, the Swedish forward, William Eklund, another Swedish forward. There's a lot of Swedes at the top of this draft, but there's not necessarily the superstar. There's a lot of really good building blocks, but I, I don't think anyone's coming out of here with a franchise player, at least not expecting to at this point. But yeah, like you said, the, the rankings just came out. Uh, we did a top 100. We also posted 70% of the meeting that we had uh, over a Zoom call uh, as a podcast on Dobbers Draftcast. And we also posted the video on YouTube. So if you really wanted to dive into that, it's about three hours long and, and there's tons <laughs> of information on there. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's almost our entire draft meeting. I cut some of the stuff out, but it's a ton of content. But like I said, the, the rankings are out top 100. Uh, I think there's about 30 different honorable mentions between all of us that we kind of put a couple names in for ourselves. And, and there's blurbs on the entire top 50. So there's a ton of information on, on this crazy wide open draft. Like I said, there's, there's maybe eight or nine names that could realistically go first overall. Awesome. That is fantastic. Well, I have two follow-ups in terms of rankings. And my first one is everyone's got a draft crush. I would say last year you were in love with, well, you had a couple of draft crushes, but Stutzla was, I guess, your crush. And he was a guy who you really loved. Who's your draft crush this year? Uh, I think I've got two this year. And one is the guy I have ranked first overall on my board, on the Dauber's team board. He's number three, and that's Fabian Lucell. He's the Swedish forward. He's got a, a crazy amount of skill. He's got a, a really high ceiling, but he is smaller. He's only 5'10", but he plays with a motor that I, I've only seen ri- rivaled really by Zachary Hyman. It, it's it's insane the, the motor that this kid plays with, and he has an insane level of skill as well. He, whether it's passing or shooting, he's able to get it on the forecheck, on the back check, and, and just affect the game in all three zones. I, I really like the way this kid plays. Tenacious, not, doesn't really play smaller like he is. and Like I said, he's 5'10", 170, I think. Um, if he fills out a little bit over the next couple of years and gets up to 5'11", six feet even, this kid could be a really dominant player. He's one of the few players in the draft that has a first line upside, re- realistically. And the other guy's a bit of a wild card, and it's a defenseman named Scott Morrow. Um, I, I always preface this with I, I generally don't like high school hockey players. I think drafting out of high, the high school ranks is generally a mistake, especially in the top 100, top three rounds. Tracy really. middle um, stat. Yeah, because <laughs> they just don't, generally don't turn out, but... Scott Morrow plays for Shattuck St. Mary. There's some extenuating circumstances that are COVID related that he didn't play in the USHL this year, but he's an outstanding skater. Like he's got Kale McCarr level edge work. He's able to change direction on, on a dime and just dominate at that U.S. high school level. Like he was the best player at the in the at the level last year, and he would be he's absolutely dominant this year. He's a complete game changer on every shift. So. This kid, he's going to go to the University of North Dakota next year, which is a defenseman factory. He is a project. He's a high school player. But if you can get this kid in the second round, I have him in the middle of my first round. But realistically, he's not going to the second round probably. But, man, the stealing on this kid, he could be the best defenseman in this draft class if, if you can take your time and let him develop properly at University of North Dakota. Who's that guy who you have a lot, and maybe it, 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 it's him actually, but who's that guy who you have a lot higher on your rankings than others, would you say? Like last year I asked you a very similar question, and, and I think the answer you gave me was Tyler Tulio, who you yeah. thought was like a top, I think you had him in the top 60 prospects yep. somewhere around there, and he didn't end up going until like the fourth or fifth round. 
Uh, who's that guy for you this year who, who you, you know, others aren't quite as high on in the scouting community that you just, for whatever reason, you see him as a diamond in the rough type player? Well, I think uh, Scott Morrow is going to be the obvious answer. He's a guy that I think doesn't get the credit because he's a high school kid. Um, but there's a few guys on my list actually that are pretty high. And, and it's just a, a, a situation where this year is kind of a weird year where there isn't really consensus on any round. And I, I look at a guy like, like Fedor Svechkov, who's a Russian center winger out of the, the VHL. This kid's game is so well developed in all three zones. He's so good defensively. Like You don't say that often about a Russian forward, but this kid's game is like almost Anton Lundell-esque defensively. And his, his offensive game is developing. He's coming along slowly, but he's starting to produce more. He was starting to really show some creativity. And, and the fact of the matter is, when he was playing at the MHL level, he was playing on one of the worst teams in Ladia Tagliati. And it, it wasn't working out for him offensively because he was constantly the guy completely relied upon. But it, once he got to the VHL, he was starting to produce a little bit more and showing. And that was against men. So I, I think he's a guy that I'm, I'm a really big fan of. Um, but the other guy is... is He's high on boards, but not high on boards at the same time. And that's Chaz Lucius, uh, a center from the U.S. National Team Development Program. And part of the reason he's not high on a lot of boards is because he just came back from injury that left him out for the entire first half of the season. He's got an insane amount of offensive talent. His shot's ridiculous, but he, he missed most of the season. I think he just came back February 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. So he's only played six games, but he has seven goals in those six games. So it, it's not like he's going to underproduce. Like this kid's got a ton of talent and, Man, like, there's a lot of kids in this draft that it's just a, a weird draft where there's there's kids everywhere that everyone has ranked all over the place. <laughs> if you guys do want to check out Tony's rankings, go check him out on Dauber Prospects. Also, the big board is over there as well. Uh, Tony, thanks so much once again for joining me tonight. It was a pleasure as always. No problem, buddy. Anytime. That will do us for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs and follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. If you guys want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four of the Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Uh, But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.